When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick Podcast Network production. I'm Alan Nevins. And I'm Joey Santos. And this week we have a very special guest on the show, Mariel Hemingway. Mariel is the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. Just in case you've never heard of him. Right. She is an Oscar, Golden Globe, and BAFTA-nominated actress for such films as Joey... Yes. Uh, her first film was called Lipstick. That was done with her sister, Margot Hemingway, the famous supermodel. And um, she's had some wonderful films uh, with... Uh, she did a film with Woody Allen called Manhattan, which she was nominated for an Oscar for, and Personal Best, and quite a bit of uh, acting. And she's a marvelous actor, and she's a wonderful uh, person as well. Yeah. She moved on to become an author, producer, activist, and advocate for holistic health. We had a great conversation with her about that. So let's grab a drink and dive in. And what do you got going this week, Mr. Santos? Well, I am fresh off an airplane, as are you, Mr. Nevins. Yes. Do you want to talk about where we went and why and how it ties into this show? Yes, I think I can. The Eden Magazine, who I also write my article for, featured Marielle Hemingway on their cover last month. And um, Mariam Morrison, who is the publisher of the magazine, had suggested uh, she do our podcast, and she accepted. Right. And so we flew to Ketchum, where she is moving to, where she's from, and where actually her grandfather, Ernest Hemingway, lived uh, until he died. Uh, and we uh, we visited her, and she did our podcast. And that's what we're doing here, we just flew back la- late last night, but it was a wonderful trip. And um, what did you think of Sun well, Valley, I loved it. I'm just going to, for people who've been living in a cave, and there are a few of them, although they're probably not listening to us then, she is the granddaughter of the incredible writer, Ernest Hemingway. In case you haven't heard of him, he wrote a small <laughs> book called For Whom the Bell Tolls, among others. And he uh, made a name for, well, he was... He was, the family is complicated, let's put it that way, and she deals with it in a documentary that she did a few years ago about mental illness. Running from Crazy is the title. Yeah, Running from Crazy. And what was interesting is we went out to the cemetery, which kind of tells you everything, because there's the Ernest Hemingway gravesite, and next to him is the wife. Mm Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, next to that is Mariel's older sister, Margot, who also killed herself. And on the other side of Ernest Hemingway's grave is his son, which would be Mariel and Margot's father. John. Who also killed himself. Mm-hmm. And so there is a very, um, I don't know how to, what to call it. It's not, there's, this, there's a strange dynamic in that family and Mariel's basically now sort of on her own family wise but I think has dealt with all this in a very very positive way and she couldn't have been more lovely and more accommodating and more fun and more outgoing she was amazing really yeah, extremely generous with her time with her energy with with our conversation and just I mean affectionate and lovely and a smile that could light up a room It was a great two days we spent. So, Joey, this week you have created an interesting cocktail because we are cocktail-less, but you have created a cocktail. So tell us about that. Well, I actually did create the cocktail, but out of respect for Marielle, who does not drink, and that's by choice, by the way. She's very holistic. She's very – she focuses on wellness, and and that's not her high. You know, her high is – exercise and adventure and and all of those things that she's very into. So with respect to that, she loves jasmine tea. So I made her a really fresh, delicious iced jasmine tea to go with the 95 degree weather we had in 
Where were we? Sun Valley. <laughs> In Ketchum, Idaho. And then for us, I made a jasmine martini. So instead of using vermouth, I used a little bit of the jasmine tea just to spray that on the on the glass. And then I filled it with our favorite Kettle One vodka and I shook it up nice and uh, nice and strong. And there we go. And what are you calling this drink? Because of her grandfather, we named it For Whom the Bell Tolls, one of his most famous books. Very nice. And we're going to talk a little bit about holistic Hollywood, which isn't really about Hollywood, which isn't very holistic. Holistic Hollywood? Is that an oxymoron? Yes. <laughs> well, it's the farce versus the real deal. So many actors and actresses, especially the ones who start out young, fall victim to the pressures of Hollywood. And she could have very easily gone there, and her sister kind of did. But I think she's come through it very strong, very positive, really well. And so it, it was exciting to talk to her. But let's talk about our little guilty pleasure trip to Sun Valley slash Ketchum, Idaho. They're kind of one and the same. I had never been there. They're really like a mile apart. They're, they're, yeah. they're the same thing. Sun Valley is really kind of the development uh -huh. and that they did kind of right there at the edge of Ketchum. Right. It was an interesting place, I have to say. Parts of it awed me. Parts of it made me laugh because I just thought, what, are we in... Is this like uh, Stepfordville or something? Well, I, I thought that was an old Western, you know, town. No, I know, but everybody, and... everybody was so polite and sweet and lovely. No matter if we were at the store, they wanted to come out and help you weigh the shrimp. We went to the TSA guy to get in the airport, and he wanted to make sure you were smiling. I mean, it was kind of a crazy little place that yeah, way. Everybody. No, the, the car, the guy at the car rental desk. Yeah. I mean, everybody was so welcoming, so... It was so refreshing, especially because I've been there a few times before, so that always draws me back. Plus, I have friends that live there, and and all the activities, the outdoor activities, are amazing, and the you know just the nature and everything that goes along with the scenery. But that welcome and feeling you get, and us growing up and living in a big city, I mean, we become so jaded. So it was a nice way to dust ourselves off for a, for a couple of days. So the first night we were there, we did the we did the interview with Mariel, and out of you know we thought we were going to her place. Then she said, "No, I'll come to your place." And she came over to where we were staying in this beautiful home, and she met everybody there and said hello and took pictures. It was really very nice. Yeah, our her. hosts were Ed McDonald and his girlfriend Hopeleika, who are very dear friends of mine. They have a second home there, and so and just we couldn't get a hotel because we flew in in the middle of the. Conference, the, the Allen and Company conference. conference and all these billionaires there, which I'm going to move into that story. But so as a thank you, Joey said, I'll do dinner for you and invite some friends over the first night. And they did. They invited a, a, a couple over that was a riot and another woman. Yeah. And, Sherry and Dick, who was a judge, former judge. Yes. Supreme Court judge. And Catherine was the yes, other friend. Yes, Catherine. But, the, the, you know, I'd never met these people, and we're sitting in the, the den area to welcome these guests, and I was sitting there trying to get things together. And this woman comes in and sits down, and she looks at me, and she says, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Los Angeles. And she said, oh, you are those two guys from Hollywood, right? And I said, yes. And she <laughs> goes, well, let me tell you something. We don't care here how big of a star you are or who you think you are. We don't give a fuck. And I was like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. And um, by the end of our dinner, she said, and next time you come to ketchup, you're uh, ketchup. ketchup. <laughs> it was a dinner. Next time you come to ketchup, you're staying in my house. We hit it off so well. We had such she a great so, time. They were all fun. Yeah. It was a really fantastic great people. evening. It felt like a, a real town yeah. with real people living a and real it's life. That old money. It's not the new money, like, let me show you how many Ferraris I have. And, you know, let me show you, you know, how many things of candy are in my bowling alley room, right? It was It's very old money. As we're driving down the street, our host was like, oh, there's so-and-so. I mean, this is old money that, you know. This is uh, Mrs. Wrigley. And Wrigley's yeah, she's the Wrigley family. And, and, but it was Hewlett-Packard and all this. And there she is. She's out there in the mud planting Gardening her flowers her own, in the front of her house. Her flip-flops. Yeah. It was great. 42-carat ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> covered in mud. <laughs> It's a topaz, a topaz. Amongst my jewels, are you mad? <laughs> it really was kind of incredible and special, I have to say. Yeah. So the big complaint in town was because of the Allen and Company conference. 200 of these very wealthy people fly in a and have this conference. 
many of them billionaires, many of them just Most. many of them just have hundreds of millions. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, there was only the poor, the poor ones are there too. at the airport. Park. The problem was so they made us circle for almost an hour because we couldn't land because all the private jets were taking off. And the first thing you and I said is, wait a minute. The private jets don't have to wait for the commercial airlines to land. The commercial airlines have to fly around and wait for the jets to take off. Mm. Didn't make any sense. Then we landed, and someone who I didn't expect to see because we thought they were going to be gone was my friend Kevin and Judy, who I was college roommates with. And he had already left for Napa, but she was flying out to meet him. And she was going to leave at 7 a.m. that morning, the same time you and I were leaving Los Angeles. And I said, well, we're going to barely miss each other in the airport. We land, we walk into the uh, terminal, and suddenly I hear this, Alan? And I turn around, and it's Judy Cahill. It's 1 o'clock. Her flight has been delayed now for five, five hours. hours waiting for the private jets to take off. And I thought, what? what? This makes no sense to me. The private jets should have a time. It should be, okay, we have commercial flights taking off at 1, 2, 8, 15, whatever it is, and you have to take off any other time, but not that time. And instead, they're making everybody commercial. I thought it was such BS. I thought that is really low. Money talks. Apparently, BS circles, BS circles the airport. For but an hour. the other story that was quite the talk in town was you have all these billionaires there, and apparently a restaurant or two had turned them down from having dinner there because these guys came in and, of course, they want to have their own alcohol. I'm sure it was their own brand or something, and they wine. wanted to bring in their own wine and have the restaurant open it. And the restaurant said, that was fine with us. You'll pay the corkage fee. Every restaurant does that. And these billionaires did not want to pay the corkage fee. These are the richest freaking people on the planet, and they're going to deny some restaurant an extra $1,000. In, in the time that they're struggling, they're trying to get their feet back on the ground, and then um, you're going to hold right. back another $20 a bottle or $30 a bottle, whatever it costs to court the thing. Even that much, but $20 know, a but... bottle. So you're talking, you know, nothing compared to. And let, let, let me, these people brought in their security teams, their drivers, their housekeepers, their cooks. Their mistresses. <laughs> <laughs> and had you to know how expensive they are. Yeah, and had to put them all up somewhere, had to bring them in privately or by, by commercial, right? Had to arrange cars for everybody and have everything done. And they're bitching about paying a corkage fee. Know. And this restaurant said, you know what? Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. else. And the next restaurant did the same thing. See, I, mean, I love how that. How cheap can you be? And on top of that, they're not paying taxes, which really gets me. But we won't go there because we don't know which ones do pay their taxes and which ones <laughs> don't. But what I can tell you is that they don't pay their corkage fees. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Uh, so there, I've gotten that off my chest because, listen, I'm the most capitalist person, as you know. Money, money, money. I love it. But I would never do that to somebody. No. You're a little penny pinchy, but but yeah, but, but, you, penny, but, but I don't still... have a hundred million dollars either. I'm surprised with as many pinchy as you are. <laughs> oh, I have a hundred million pennies. <laughs> it was a very nice weekend. I'm definitely going back to Sun Valley. So, but I do yeah. want to give a shout out to Ed and Hope and thank them yeah, so much for absolutely. their hospitality. And they're very lovely friends. Yeah, Sherry and Dick and Catherine. We had yeah. a wonderful time with you guys. So. We'll see you on our next trip out. Mm -hmm. Up and we'll stay a over. couple days longer. In yeah, fact, we if will. we overstay, we'll just house hop. We'll yeah. stay two nights at one person's house and two nights we'll at someone else's house. Stay two nights at Mario. We'll stay two nights at Sherry and Dick's house. Yeah. All right. We can stay a whole week. <laughs> just so you're forewarned. And we'll pay the corkage fee. And we'll pay the corkage fee. We did. We bought the we brought the corkage. Yeah, we did. But uh, anyway, and then we had this really lovely interview with Mariel, and we'll get into that when we come back. Okay, we're back. We have Mariel Hemingway with us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, <laughs> having me, actually, having am I you having twice. you? You're having, <laughs> yes, 
We're having you because we are in Ketchum, Idaho. Yes, it was so awesome. So I don't know what was going on with the internet the other day, but my connection at the little condo that that we were renting just kept dropping, kept dropping, kept dropping. I was so frustrated. Yeah. So we had every every other sentence. You're like, I thought you were joking at first. Oh, well, you know what? I think we should just come up. So did I. And apparently, it doesn't take much for me to get on an airplane. I love that. As you'll get to see. That's awesome. Well, you're here. We're here. And we're at your friend's house, which we can pretend is my house. This is no problem (laughs) for me. I have no problem. It's a beautiful home. It's It's absolutely gorgeous. Unbelievable with the pond out front. It's a gorgeous home. Yeah. But we, so Joey and I jumped on a plane. We flew to Idaho so we could complete our failed interview with you. Yeah. Well, this is going to be super successful. We are absolutely thrilled to be here. We're thrilled you're here. It all has worked out. Cool. And uh, we'll take a little mini vacation while we're doing this. So it's all good. <laughs> good. But we're in Ketchum, Idaho. Yes, you are. Which is even better because you know what? We plan to go to the Hemingway house tomorrow. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Yeah, we want to do a little uh, And we thought we'd take touring. a little tour of the cemetery. Perfect. Yes. And we've told we're not to miss that. Yeah. So you'll yep. tell us what else we should be doing. Well, you've got... You've got such a handle on different kinds of drinks, cocktails. <laughs> people leave a lot of cocktails by uh-huh. his graveside. Oh, <laughs> they bought little, right. little they bottles mini of Jack. bottles of Jack and all this stuff. And it used to bother me, you know, like I mm-hmm. think that's not what he's about. But, it, you know, it's it's everybody's like, you know, somebody somebody interprets interprets his life in that way in the big big living, and of course he lived in a different time, which yeah. you know that was part of who he was mm-hmm. and his his persona. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's funny because I don't look at it as a negative. You right. know, when somebody's life is that rich, because I'm just embarking on the second episode of that three part. A documentary yes. on PBS, which yes. I love, by the it's way. It's extraordinary. It really is. He's and a great so, filmmaker. That first one really takes you right from the beginning where you get to know who he is. I mean, yeah, all those things that he has as a part of him, mm-hmm. you know, going through the war, falling in love, you know, all of yeah. those things. And so the drinking was just, it never was a, I never looked at it as it was an issue, as it was just a part of who he is part of his character. Yeah. Well, and also remember, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, your grandfather was a misogynist and a male chauvinist. I'm like, no, he lived in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, Correct. which 50s. It was a different time. No, no you it, can't nobody compare thought it to today. It. And, and I always say, Look at what he wrote about relationship and women. He loved women. Oh, it was usually the men that were like failing yeah, totally. <laughs> at whatever thing it was. Totally. But he respected women in his writing. He loved women. He was fascinated by women. He was fascinated with relationship and 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 the way people interacted. And he lived in Paris in the twenties. Sure. When it was, you know, this vibrant, you know, expatriates, it was amazing time. Yeah. Intellects, intellectuals. Oh, oh my I mean. God. And they were so cutting edge. When you think about kind of how far we haven't come in right. some ways exactly. or how we've slipped back, I kind of feel like we've slipped back in many ways, you know, like. I, I felt like kind of the seventies were moving forward. We were like the, you know, and then an 80 and somehow we've kind of like slipped into this very conservative viewpoint of the world. And I think that he was a far more modern thinker than we, than anyone really realizes. My grandfather used to say, if you don't read, you can't write, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and there was a richness to a person's, you know, we think we have so much information and we do, we have at our fingertips and our phone and our this and that, but it's scattered it's like the MTV, what the MTV generation did with the cut, 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 and so fast. Yep. Nobody delves in deep and sort of sits with something. Well, they don't even read the article. They read the headline. And that's yeah. what they, then they go out and say, you know, oh, did you see so-and-so? Is it, did yeah. you read the article? Right? I, yeah. I mean, People I don't, don't know. Let's yeah. be real. People don't, don't read. read. No, they don't read. It's really, they it's don't a read. little they bit watch, Yeah, They watch the one minute video that yep. was prepared for on them on social media. And then that becomes their truth. Right. And that's the problem. Well, and also the headline can have nothing to do. I just, there was some, 
article written about me and the headline had nothing to do with the story. And things get taken out of context. And and you're so right. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what the title of this article was. It was called The Bad Hemingway. <laughs> and it was about me. And because I was jokingly saying, oh, my grandfather would be upset because I do video um, promotions for other writers. And they pay this company to do it and they pay me, you know, but I... I only do it if I believe in, in, the, in the writer. Yeah. And I was jokingly say, oh, my grandfather would probably turn over at his grave thinking, you know, like it was like tongue in cheek and it wasn't. I read like that actually. Yeah, yeah. I read that article. It was horrible. I was so upset. I was like, wait a second. I didn't. First of all, I said none, none of those things in that way at all. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, please don't print that, which she printed. She said, don't print this. I was like, wait. Well, isn't Who that go against that? The, yeah. Isn't that ethically uncool? It was so shitty. And it made me look like all stupid and like I did something dumb. Well, but, when you were you know, young, whatever. did those things when people came, you know, there was obviously, uh, I, I'm kind of curious because, you know, there's celebrity kids right. and you know them, right, right? Right, And when you were younger, did those things bother you because it was thrown at you at an age where you weren't prepared for it and people were always comparing you and there was sort of an image already set upon you before you'd set your own? Yeah, um, to a certain degree, but it, the environment of, the, you know, there wasn't a social media environment. Right. So things weren't as quick. Right. Yeah, you got a little bit of bad press but it took a long time to trickle down and people who knew you knew you but nowadays everybody thinks they know you yeah everybody (laughs) thinks they know you because they read a headline or this or that or you know they followed you somewhere and then they decided you were boring (laughs) whatever it is so it's just it was different back then and I just, you know, and I lived up here most of the time so I could avoid it press was a little bit more protective I think yeah you know well, what I mean? remember they had... when, when England started getting raunchy and America was kind of the one yes. that was like, thank gosh, we're not like that. But now we've exceeded that. Oh, I mean, beyond. I think we're, we're, we're as bad as they ever were in the worse. trash, yeah. you know, oh, trashing worse. of people. Yeah. And we just take them down. You know, it's the, I don't even know if it's 15 minutes of fame. I think it's like five. Yeah, you if know? you're lucky. Yeah. yeah and then, lucky. you know, and I think of my poor sister who had so much success so quickly. Margot. Margot. And took her life. But it was so... She was kind of at the precipice of the beginning of what we're dealing with now. It was the start of that. It was like, oh, we love you. We love you. You're the best. We put you on Time Magazine cover. Well, you're you're the most amazing model in the whole wide world. And then you make a movie that somebody decides is, you know, you're no good in. And they slam you and they yeah. hate you and they bring you down. And I think that was part of her. Uh, she wanted uh, to yeah. be an actress, didn't she? Wasn't oh that part God. of her? It, I yeah, mean, her. that's what was so sad for me. And as I got to know her through her friends and through other people, I started to realize I'd been very judgmental of her. I didn't know her. I really mm-hmm. didn't. She was seven years older than me. Yep. And I thought she was just misbehaving like the daughter that you know, my parents thought she had been, you know what I mean? And I didn't see this joyous, happy girl that everybody loved. I just saw, oh my God, she drinks too much. Oh my God, she's doing drugs. Oh my God. Not realizing also that she was covering up a pain of not being able to be the actress that she wanted to be because she had a real hard time making that transition into because I don't think acting is acting. I think acting is being somebody else. And she couldn't be, be somebody, somebody else. else. Did she resent you because of the notoriety you got from I, the movie? I think she... Because you got I mean, positive and good I, reviews I, and she... She, they, they she wanted to her. love me for it, but mm-hmm. it was hard. I mean, that was her dream, not mine. But she, she brought got you into me, the movie. She got me into the movie and then there I was, you know, and I... It's like, oh my God... Yeah. We're I talking just, Manhattan. Yeah, no, we're, no, no, we're talking lipstick. about lipstick. Oh, lipstick. Yeah, first, so oh, of course, the first movie. movie. Yeah, 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 so she got me into that movie, and I'm... And that I was remember, her first movie and your yes. first movie. And and I remember praying that it was, she would do well and think, you know, just let this be a fun experience, but don't... You know, because I knew how what that would do to her. And it did. It, it nearly destroyed her. It was the beginning of... 
I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm the catalyst for her destruction. You no. know, I mean, everybody no, has their own No, but her insecurity is what pretty much did her. Yes. In. Because yes. even if, you know, it's funny when, when you're that creative a person, you have that much of a, a passion for something. Yeah. And then you don't have that other person that can kind of guide you through it and support you through it. Yeah. And then what she wound up doing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think her support were the drugs and the alcohol during, during the making of the movie, which completely took her away from where she could have yeah. been. It, it, it's really sad. And you could, and as a family member, you can't say that. No. Because there was a time, I, I wrote a book called Out Came the Sun, and I talked about this. There was, I made Manhattan, and that was super successful. I mean, I just yeah. kept you coming out with things. A, and weren't you nominated just for like an Oscar Just like stabbing for her in the, in the chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I was in the process of making personal best. And right. she said, can you come to my hotel? It was the Westwood Marquee. Oh, Remember right. back sure. in the day? Yeah. yeah. I said, Still can there. you come to my hotel? Yeah. Can you come to my hotel and help me with a scene? And I thought, oh, <laughs> oh dear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you say yes. And I went into her hotel room and she pulled out the pages and she wanted me to help her. And it was, there was, it was like I spoke French and she spoke Chinese. There was no understand. She couldn't understand what I was saying. And then I didn't want to look like I was bossing her around or the older, you know, like, because I get this a lot. You always, you think you're the older sister. I'm the older, you know, I'd be like, oh, I don't think anything. But yeah. you know, I wasn't. It was it was tough. She had a t- she had a tough time, and I, and now in retrospect, looking back on her life, I see it. I see the pain she was in, and I wish I'd known that language that she spoke, mm-hmm. so I could have spoken it to her and made her understand from the perspective she was at, because I was only giving her what I knew from Your my inter- perspective. What you saw, and plus right. you were. 70 years younger than her. Yeah. You were still basically a kid. Yeah. You, you don't know, feel yeah. any guilt from that, though, do you? No. Okay. I, I, I don't. I did for a while. And I did wonder if, you know, like when I started getting depressed, if I was being punished. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'm being punished. You know, I mean, you, I think you do that's what an obvious do. reaction to anybody because you, you know, we all have done it at one point. Oh, I could have helped, or I could have stopped, yeah. or I could have done. And the bottom line is, you couldn't have probably. No, well, the regret doesn't. Yeah, that yeah. Doesn't no, work. and and it doesn't work for anybody. I mean, no. could anybody have helped my grandfather, his best friends, his wife, his this, his that? You know, like nobody can. It's just it is. But it's part of who they were, and it's part of what made them who they exactly. are. And you know, listen, your your your, your grandfather. I always told you, you know, I represented Patricia Hearst and everybody was like, and I always thought, oh, if I just had a family with Patricia Hearst, because I find it colorful, right? And I find it big and I find it interesting. And, and of course, if you're in that family, you're like, oh, I don't want to be part of this family. Yeah. But from an outsider, you're like, no, that's an amazing family oh, to be to part her, of. Exactly. To her, it was Patricia Worst. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it was I mean. really rough for her. I yeah, mean, no, I'm sure. Yeah, of course it was. Fairly recently, maybe in the last 15 years or something. And it, it she is like, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Patricia. But she's a pretty interesting person. and She's very interesting. I really yeah, nice And the story and, is yeah. fascinating. I really mm-hmm. liked her. Yeah, no, that's it. She has, there's an amazing story. I mean, look at her grandfather. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, hello. Hello. And um, Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the, those are fascinating families. And yes, when you grow up in it, it's different because it's your life and you're just trying to live your life. Yeah. And you've got all this sort of, Stuff being thrown on right. top of you, right? And but you as an outsider, I mean, yeah. it's like, oh, I would trade my life for that for me, right? Like, <laughs> right. And 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 to be honest, I don't ever regret the fact that my family is so legendary and this huge name. I think it's an honor. Of course, oh, I think huge it's about honor. going through and understanding. Okay, there's negatives and positive, like anybody's life. Yeah, anybody's and now what I've turned it into is because I do a lot of mental health work and a lot, you know, because of start doing that documentary, I do a lot of speaking and, and I've turned it into, look, I've got a story that everybody has. 
yes, I have a famous family, but I'm in a position to tell my story so that you can also tell your own personal story to your best friend, to your therapist, to your, you know, fill in the blanks, whoever, so that you can move past. Because ultimately, our history is just a story. It can't happen again. And it's how you move through the day today and the choices you make daily. You know, as you move into life, it's about the choices we make in the present moment and how you decide you want to be. And that's up to us. And once we realize we have choice and you can invite other people to have choice, it's huge for them. It's huge to be, to, to be told, hey, you're not alone. I get it. Your story is heartbreaking, but it's not new and it's okay. And you're all right. And we got you, you know, and, and let's move on from this. Let's find the way that you can find balance and health in your life because I have. Yeah. And I think the healing comes from that purge. Yes. You have to be able to get that out. Absolutely. You know, that holding it in and that, and I, maybe that's what she didn't have. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you something and, and if it's, per, you know, but you did mention you, you touched upon it in your documentary when you had questioned about the molestation. Right. With with right. your older sisters, you know, with Margot and. You I know, wish I, mean, I hadn't said it the way that I said it and I wish I she hadn't you filmed cor- it. You're going to correct it here. You can what? correct it here. Yeah. You can correct yeah. it here. Well, I corrected it in my book yeah. because I, because it what my father wasn't a horrible no. man. My father was a great man. But it wasn't, like, I don't think he had sex with my sister. I think that he was in love with my sister, my oldest sister. And I think that that affected Margot's relationship and wanting to be the one that he loved. I think he was in love with her in the sense that she was a, an amazing athlete. She spoke French. She was incredibly bright. She was interested in all mother, the things that he was, the hunting, the fishing, the, yes. you know. And my mother was rejecting him because she came from all this pain that she'd never dealt with. You know, she lost her first husband in the war and she, you know, she was in pain. There's no excuses for whatever. I don't think it was as... As sordid as it sounds because it's a dangerous... And she really, she really was pushing me. And, but I take full responsibility. I said what I said. It is what it is. But I, you know... Looking back and when I saw it, I went, I, you know, I just. I totally understood it. I don't want to, I don't want to do that to my dad. I don't think he was a bad guy no, in I, any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But I think that families are complicated. I think relationships with fathers and daughters are complicated, just like mothers and sons. You know, there's some weird thing that can happen when people don't deal with their issues. Right, right. You know? Well, the other thing too, and when when and I saw it, when I saw it, I didn't take it. I almost took it the way you're explaining it. Good. You know I why? Hope so. Because <laughs> well, first of all, I listen yes. and I understand, and I and I parallel things. A very good friend of mine is Janice Dickinson. Yeah. And she went through some similarities with that. She was never molested, and that word is dangerous. It is, it's especially like now. Violating. Yeah. And all of these words well, which like have another connotation. Raped. Yeah. You know. Um, he never did it with her, but there were things that she witnessed w- with her other sisters. Do, do you know what yeah. I mean? And so yeah, yeah. that's where her resentment came from. But, you know, a lot of times, and especially even in your case, you were still a young girl. So misinterpreting affection yeah. and, yes. and things could be taken in a, in a way that wasn't, that wasn't really that. So it's that very dangerous. You know, and then for somebody to make you, you know, in the moment, say something, and then all of a sudden you can't retract it because it's now it's... It means that it's it's dangerous. It is. But on your behalf, I, I I rewound and I listened to it very carefully, and I got exactly what you're saying. It That's was awesome. Ju- yeah. So no, I'm glad because it it because if somebody doesn't pay attention, they will misinterpret. Because you're taking an entire life. You're taking now, a I family. Mean, going back to the to the headlines. Yes, exactly. That, Same the, thing. All the articles that mm-hmm. came out was like. You know, Marielle Hemingway's father molests yeah, her and that sister. Wasn't, yeah, like, and, and oh, wasn't shit. a pedophile or what? You know? You know, and, and it is interesting because you're taking a family, a dynamic that yeah. was complicated to begin with and is easily to be misinterpreted by a person's imagination or their own yes. insecurity or their own or way their own of... story. Correct. You know? 
It's so, just you never know what's influencing the way you, you think about that. I'm glad you brought it up because I think this is a good way for you to oh, say. Oh, yes, because you, know, you bring all your own story to it to and, it, your, and own your own thoughts and your yes. own feelings. Maybe because some, oh that person God. reading that was did have that situation or was. Absolutely. You know, and, and so, oh, and, I know what yeah. that's like. It's like yeah, the same exactly. people that, that don't drink and then you're having two drinks and they're going, you know, he drinks a lot. It's like, <laughs> yeah. How would you know? Right. No, I know. Well, and and it just leads into that whole idea of the cancel culture that we've oh, come. Oh, I can't with that. It's just, uh, it's enough I can't. We talk it's about this all the time. I cannot, I talk cannot about it on bear it. All the time. We need it's to cancel so that culture. Yes. <laughs> we just cancel those. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also, so much of it is based on. Oh, we're not on, on TV. I can say what I want. So much of it is based yeah, on what they read in the headlines. Absolutely. And now they're canceling you. And then you. all of a sudden, they're gone. I mean, we've got a Bobby and I have several friends. Is like holy. Mackerel. Yeah, but we have well, to take you know it back, we... Mariel. That I blame us. I really blame us because if you, it's, it's, it's like if somebody says something negative to you or calls you out on something and says, you know, you're an asshole, and you go, okay, well, I guess you, I must be. And if we don't go, excuse me, you, you don't know me from up. a can of paint. We have to take it back. And these are powerful I, I, I do, people yeah, I, I that are being knocked you. down by by a nobody. By yeah. trolls and by these other morons that, that really have no basis of anything. Well, yep. without and then no ruining trial. careers and yeah, yeah. nothing. Or based on one-sided, on you know, like yeah. you documentaries now, sometimes. Not, not that, sometimes it's like all about the story they want to sell you. Correct. Documentaries used to be like real journalism. Yeah. Journalism Absolutely. is supposed to be balanced. You're supposed to look at both sides and go, hey, you know, it's and the, you're telling I'm going to give yeah. you this side and I'm going to give you that side. And then I'm going to let you make a decision. I, I know what I think, but it's this a chronicle. Is, it's a, it's a chronicle. chronicle. But documentaries now have become. Oh, no, they're very they're, one sided. They're, they're, they're so interpretations. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, we yeah. had a long conversation. We're not going to bring it up with you, but we talked about that Woody Allen documentary, <laughs> and we thought how unfair it was because all the information came from one side, and you know you and can't. I said, and that was a misinterpretation. What I just said, somebody yes. else's. You know, we're not going to discuss that. No, yeah. I'm not. We're, but but we left it at you know, none of us were there. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. and that's always what I say. It's yeah. like I, my experience with him was amazing. He changed my life. Right, of you course. You know, and I wasn't there. So I can't judge. No, I and don't Diane Keene's the same way. And this is somebody that, you know, she she knew and loved. And, you know, she's not going to go out and say, suddenly say something else. You can only go by what your experience right. was yeah, what, exactly. with that and person. Her experience, oh my God. And they did. Years of, yeah. they yeah. dated, they they made several films. Movies, I mean, yeah. many, yes. many films you together. You can only they, go on they, your own experience. Yeah. And yes, if you're exposed to something else and say, okay, now I saw something I didn't like, then your experience exactly. changes. Exactly. But you can't and say, it, oh, it, you're wrong, because how are you wrong? That was my experience. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's just, you know, so I can't make a judgment. I can't no. say she's yeah. wrong or, right. or somebody's no. right. You know, it's like, no, I'm it's so sorry to, that, that, that they, they're in the pain that they're in. It's a lot, and and I'm in no place. You no, know, none of us are. None of us are. And I don't, I don't ever want to be in that place. Him, you know, I don't no, call course. it. You know, it's it's sad, and I I still admire him. You know, as a as an artist. And, and you can't go back and suddenly say, well, now he's not a great filmmaker. He was a great filmmaker. And you oh. can't cancel his work. Yeah. I know it's really that drives. Yeah. We were just talking about, and it, but it's not just him. It happens to a lot of people. It happens now, to so to many artists, people. you know, that are painters and stuff. And it's not, like, and 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 we're not saying, oh, this condones bad behavior. That's not at all. Not at all. But but there's got to be a separation to from the artists and the you know because like it, throughout history. Well, you're gonna find out that Picasso. Oh, you, know? you think I mean, Picasso? I mean. You know, you find out the things they did. Now you're going to say he's not a great artist. He's a great yeah. artist no matter what he did. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure my grandfather probably The did, same you thing. Know. And people do the same thing with their grandfather. No oh, matter yeah. what you want to say about him, he yes. was a great writer. And you're not going to take that away Ever. from him. Ever. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So we were know. just talking about, and, and, you know, speaking of a great writer, I mean, all the books now that are being canceled and banned. We are just they? had... Oh, oh. My, when oh, you no. hear this list, Mariel, you're going to be like, what? your grandfather would roll in his grave. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. 
I'm sure one of his books is on the books list somewhere. Books are being banned? Yeah. I didn't even know this. Well, they're, what I it is, no it's, a list, it's a list they compile each <laughs> year. Good. Every year they compile a list. Good. The not books good. that are most asked to be banned from libraries and schools by the community. And they, oh, the list I just is... just slap the community. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You have wow. no idea. Major books like... Um, I don't remember what they I know. Were. We had a whole list of tips that we were just But they were... Too. I remember one oh of them being God. the Harry Potter series because it was magic and... And that's you know, black magic. Black it's magic naked. and manipulating children. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, come on. Who comes up with this? Well, that's what, that's what I was talking about in the beginning. It's like, we've gone backwards. But that's another thing we just have to take back. But, you know, it, it's like, how do you even begin to teach that? And And that's basically... Because nobody wants to learn it because they don't think it's not broken. Yeah. Well, and I think the way that you take that back or or rather teach that is that you limit the amount of time that we do this, that we're on technology. And I think kids need to be limited. Adults too. Adults as well. I mean, you know how we, how we, you know, it's like we scroll through how many, you know, whatever. And that you have to just go, I need to disconnect. So Bobby and I at 8 p.m. are like, I'm done. Shut it down. We right. have to shut it down. I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard. You're like, I really just want to check one more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't. And it, it, you need, your brain needs a rest. You need, and you need to know that that's not the fucking real world. Well, by the you way. You know, like it's not real. It's not real. And by the way, the studies coming out now, is, oh. it is very damaging. It's very detrimental. And, and, and I just, you know, I'm also producing a, a television series on the prevention of suicide for teenagers. Right. Because I think we are in an, in an era that is like no other. We've never been in a time where suicide is an option for teenagers. And what are you when finding the reason? When I was growing reason? up, nobody committed suicide. And what, what, what reason are you finding in your sort of studies it's, and the it's documentary? It's because, well, I think it has a lot to do with technology. It's because their kids don't have a wealth of experience to know that energy shifts, right? So what what you're depressed about today in, in, in two days or in a few hours, whatever, will be gone. Or it will change. It will shift. Yeah. But kids don't have that. They don't know that. So now taking your life is an option in those critical moments they where you can't feel. handle something, when you aren't dealing with something and you're not telling anyone, but then you're still on the phone, you know, and you're still seeing that your friend or somebody broke up with you or, or you are transgender or you, 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 you know, you don't, you're struggling with whatever it is as a kid but you're looking at something that's not real and you believe it. So you see all your friends have all these friends and they were at a party. It's like baloney yeah. anyway. Everybody chooses their nicest pictures. I mean, you know, if we chose the wrinkly one. Well, I still find <laughs> you know, it shocking right? that people throw their 12-year-olds out of the house because they find out they're gay. I'm like, first of all, you've lived with this person for 12 years and you didn't figure it out. Happening? Jesus, and, I mean, yeah, and, oh, just not and, okay. and now after living with this person and loving them for 12 years, you're going to throw them out of the house and put them on the street. I had a neighbor once who was very conservative, to say the least, but I liked her. She was lovely. I mean, you know, we'd go for walks and stuff, mm-hmm. but she and she has, she has two beautiful daughters. They're grown now. And I said, you know, I think we were talking about like be, being gay or whatever. And I said, well, what happens? What happens if one of your girls is gay? She goes, I don't accept that. I said, oh, come on. You love your girls. Your girls are beautiful girls. Like, who cares who they love? Mm-hmm. And she said, I, it's just wrong. It's against God. I was like, It's against God. Well, you wow. know why? Because they have all these terrible images of what it means rather than well, positive images. Well, and, and and that dogma continues to be... It's still there. Thrown they into put all that their... Oh, out. it's just so it's bizarre to me. My but mother said too. to me, learning that I was gay, and she said to me, she said, if your being gay has anything to do with the person that you are, then as your mother, I would wish all my children would be gay. Mm, So when you have that come out of the person that brought you into this world, my father was the exact same way. My grandmother, my grandparents, all throughout, I don't have one cousin that ever rolled her eye or his eye or 
That's how my family wow, has always. Wow, that's so awesome. And when you have that, you can conquer anything. And if a parent would just understand that all that kid, they just want to be loved. They just want to be. That's all anybody wants. But what yeah. they want to be, and this is this is, is what really as important as that. They want to be honest. Yes. And you take away their ability to, to be to, honest. To be truthful and about when who they, they are. can't be honest about who they are, they can't be honest in anything in their life. Yeah. And their world will never be will never be good enough. It's so true. Wow. Wow. See, that's a touching story. It makes me want to cry just to think, you know, because people who aren't gay don't get that. You no. know, they don't get they don't get seen by their parents. You know, I think that yeah. the, the, the best thing you can do as a parent is to see your child, even yeah. if you screw up, but to see them and love them. And see no yourself, matter what they do. See yourself well, yeah. in your child and vice versa. Yeah, because that is, that is a definition of true love. Yeah. Seeing yourself in someone or something yeah. and finding delight in that. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you're going to start picking your child apart and your your where do we go? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I think all of these conversations other things are important. I think what you're trying to do and bring awareness it is so important. I think people have to listen and 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 apply. Yes. You know? 100%. I agree. Hang tight. We'll be right back. I'm going to switch gears on us now. Okay. Only because, you know, we talk about, a lot about food on this show because yes. of Joey being a chef. And I may get this wrong, so correct me. But you were a vegan for many years, 20 years or so? I was vegan for 20 years. And macrobiotic. And, and macrobiotic. <laughs> and all fruit one year. So tell, tell me how that led to where you are and what you're doing now. Well, I was a little obsessed, shall we say. Um, I used to do everything to an extreme. It was like, oh, this diet, you know, but I never thought of his diet when I was vegan. I was like, I'm the healthiest person. Meanwhile, I was very tired. Now, I'm not saying that veganism isn't right for somebody because there's lots of people out sure. there that thrive and they do I do so it a couple well. times a week. Just to, I do. <laughs> right. Because yeah. of the balance. I do yeah. too. I look there at those vegetables a- in the store every time I walk by <laughs> It's true. There is a balance and everybody's genetic makeup is different. different. Everybody's metabolism is different. Our blood types are different. Our heritage, you know, what what we do, how yep. we live, our exercise levels, all of those seasons. Mm-hmm. And when I really started to understand, I started to look at how I was brought up. I wasn't terribly energetic when I was uh, vegan and I just... There was so much that I loved about it. And the part that I really wanted to take into my life is that I wanted to be ethical about it. You know, because I don't like slaughtering animals. I think factory farms are horrible. Right. So when you eat ethically, it's part of the, in my opinion, it's part of the food chain. It's like, okay, you go to a, a local farm, you get meat, whatever, and you and you don't do it all the time. It's the thing. The thing about whether it's alcohol or eating meat or chicken or fish or whatever, you don't. If you do it obsessively, then it becomes unhealthy. Right. But when you do it in balance and in moderation, then it's healthy. I even say to people because I we do a lot of talking about health and wellness. Bobby and I have a health and wellness company called. Williams and Hemingway. And it's about finding, you know, even sugar. You know, sugar is not good for you for the most part. But when you eat sugar just, you know, if you ate ice cream and it was just milk, cream, and sugar, real cream, real milk, real sugar. Like I do at home. No, you make it it that way. If you go to the a supermarket and some of these labels are like well, 17 inches long and, and it's all these things that have nothing to do with the actual food so my thing is eat real food yeah. eat food that's not processed yeah. the treats make them treats don't have them every day yeah. make them treats right because that's what they're designed for if you want a glass of wine you don't need to drink a bottle every night maybe right. you have a glass or half a glass <gasps> did you hear what she said <laughs> Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just about knowing, and when you do it, not beating yourself up about it too. Correct. Right. You know, it's like, it's all about like, love yourself, know that what you're doing, and give yourself permission to do it when you want to do it. And it's make all it, good. make it, uh, um, 
What's ritual? Something you, right, that you yes. look forward yeah. to in yes. the preparation and all that goes along with that. Well, by the way, we have the greatest proof for this because in the summer, we normally go to Italy for a couple months. Yeah. And I, I'm an ice cream freak. And when I get there, there's a gelato place. Oh, they yeah. make it fresh every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we go and we eat the pasta. And we, I mean, I eat like a pig there and, and I you don't lose Wait. Of course you don't. Because it's all also, we fresh process, food. We process, we process things in America. And it's we why, put them... It's why I don't think gluten is bad, but in America it is, because there's Roundup and glyphosate on almost all of Everything. our, all right. of our, you know, grain and stuff like that. We put chemicals on it that our bodies cannot, right. no. cannot metabolize. Right. And you don't have that when you go to Italy. Yeah, you don't do you that. Don't have, no, it's all Thank fresh. God. You go to the market every day. You I pick know, up the stuff, and it's amazing. They also like, like you just said, their portions are like. Tell us more about Williams. I almost said Williams and Sonoma. Tell us more <laughs> about Williams and Hemingway. That probably is going to be an issue, but um, <laughs> they'll probably sue us. I don't know. My life partner and I, Bobby Williams, and myself. He's an adventure athlete, like an extreme performance athlete. He was a stuntman, actor, you know, blah, blah, for many, many years. He's amazing. He also has, it's taken us seven years, but it really is his doing. He came up with a machine that's a high performance machine that pressurizes you at different altitudes that you exercise in. And what that does is it takes you up to altitude and brings you down. So you go up and down. And that that going up and down expands and contracts every cell in your body, creating more red blood cells, stem cells 16 t- times that of the norm. It, it activates your own body to do that. It's just amazing for inflammation and performance. So it's it's, you know, considered a, a high-performance machine, but he's also in partnership we're also working with uh, Dr. Bruce Johnson, who works at the Mayo Clinic, who is the head of extreme human performance there at the Mayo. So we're getting a white paper. It's going to be all very, very cool, but we want to bring that out to sports teams. But we also want to have it out here in um, Idaho because we are creating a wellness facility and hot springs there's a hot springs a little bit south of town so closer to where we're fingers crossed getting our house and um and uh so we're going to do this hot springs and have this wellness facility and have this machine so that's part of it but we also talk about um you know lifestyle is really about the choices you make every single day so we talk about the seven greatest doctors and our greatest doctors are free and you can visit them every day and, you know, they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're free. And they're Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, mm-hmm. Dr. Exercise, Dr. Nutrition, Dr. Earth, and Dr. Rest. And if you see them, and you really see them, you really, like, watch a sunrise. And sometimes, if you can't watch the sunrise, you watch a sunset. You breathe. You learn how to breathe properly. Mm-hmm. You drink water, good water out of glass, hopefully, and you eat food, eat real food, but not processed food. You know what I mean? Right. It's no, just totally. it's simple stuff. It's about learning to take time for silence. Call it meditation, call it prayer, call it whatever no, I, you want. I, I you know, it's like all it, and exercising and finding that exercise that suits you. For you. Exactly. For you. Because, you know, like some people are just happy to go for a walk. Some people should swim. Some people should dance. You know, like it's different for everyone. And we're, we want to remind people that, you know, our bodies are self-healing and self-sustaining. And given the right environment and the right tools, you can really create a better, a better life for yourself, a, a, a well life. Yeah, a and you don't have to well compete life. with yourself either. No, exactly. You can just allow that. And I love that about the silence because I live my life with that. That's where yeah. all of my answers lie, where my, where my God speaks to me. I, I'm not a religious person i believe in spirituality and a, a yeah, different sense i mean sense but i of, believe in god i don't know you know yeah, it yeah has I, no I, face I think that that no... has a lot to do i mean for me it's nature you know yes. i see god in the and it's in the silence and it's in yeah all of those things Absolutely. you know i wanted to say this one thing and and it really touched me and i was so i admired you so much for that when your ex-husband was diagnosed with stage four and you 
said, do not do chemotherapy, do not take radiation, don't do that, that stuff, because it was really dire. Yeah. He got, what, four he, years he went, out of... Oh, no, he got 20. Yeah, okay, 20. so there you go. He was cured 100% initially from the cancer by, by lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. By food, exercise, learning how yeah. to and meditate. And he looked great. And, I mean, I, I, yeah. Even, yeah. Yeah. So. He, he did really, really well. We got divorced 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he actually, the cancer came back. Uh, he, he died in 2019, the end of 2019. Did he right do something different? 20, did he, he did, did, this, not did he do, have something he did, in him? He did all of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. You know, like well, no people job, forget cancer. Everybody has cancer cells. And everybody does. Everybody and, has and, them, and if, some people can beat it, and others yes don't fight and, it off. And, I, and you have you to know, remember I'm, that's your body. I'm, I'm adamant that that the the kind of but you know things have changed. I don't know, but he didn't change his diet this this last time, and he didn't change as far as I know. Yeah. The chemotherapy killed my mother. I'm absolutely convinced of it. And it, I mean, she lasted for a long time, but it yeah. destroyed, destroyed her immune system. Yeah. Destroyed too. it. It's so vile. It's so violent. My ex got the chemotherapy. He died within 36 hours. I mean, mm. it, it like, wow. it destroyed Well, he was probably so clean. He was very, he was very, he was very sick, yeah, you know? Right. And, and he was, I think they were trying to do a, uh, vac, some kind of vaccine. So I don't know. Yeah. It just wasn't working. I wasn't. It was really melanoma he had, wasn't it? Or started that was that the way? initial. Initial. Yeah. And then the spread. it kept showing up, the colon, liver, uh-huh. then it was all over. Yeah, it's just it's a it's, brutal, it's a, brutal, scary, mm-hmm. scary, scary mm-hmm. disease. And it has a lot. And I really do believe this, too. I think there are times in people's lives where they're sad and depressed. And I think that opens up a door for 100%. all that negative stuff to come in, whether it's illness or. Or know. it's just the lack of, you know, I know for my mother, my mother was heartbreak. Now, I didn't even know that she'd been married before. I, w- I was 16 going through some old pictures in our house. And I'm like looking at this guy and my mom. And I'm like, that's not my dad. So I showed my dad. I'm like, who is this? And he's like, oh my it's God, me. ask your mom. <laughs> and so I asked my mom and, you know, finally get this story that she was married before. And we used to visit her previous in-laws. I thought they were just good friends, but she would call, you know, like I was like, I'm so confused by this whole situation, but she never dealt with that heartbreak. She never dealt with it. She always felt that that was the person she was supposed to be with. I know it now, you know, like her and her cancer was such a manifestation of that inability. And it was also a generational thing. They didn't talk about stuff back then. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk right. about no, it. They didn't. didn't he feel not appreciated by her? Oh yeah. Or he felt uh you mean my dad. Yeah. Oh yeah. He 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 never could live up to she he died her, her first husband died like they'd been married for a minute, you know, like 9 months. So and he was in the war. So we've shot out of this guy. He's prince charming. Right. They just gotten married. And she never, she was, in her mind, I know it. She was well, in love was with him Well, he was perfect in her mind because perfect. they never had time they never to had hate a problem. each other. <laughs> they never had an issue. They didn't right. have kids didn't to have argue about, right? Yeah. And so my dad comes along and he loved, he fell in love with my mother and pursued her and pursued her. And she kept saying, no, no, no. But I know that my mother was never over it, mm. you know? And, and, and it was all a secret. It was like that reveal when I... Even at 16, I was like, wow, now I know why my mom got sick. Yeah, because she lived that every day. She could not express it. No. And that's what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation about being able to purge. Yeah. It's so healing. But if you can't, you live in that cocoon, it'll eat you alive. So brutal. Um, Wow, we've gone long. Is there anything you want to tell us we haven't asked you? 
No, I told you about the seven dollars. <laughs> I know you're pretty open and pretty energetic. You told us everything. I, I pretty much <laughs> said everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I we have to that. save some stuff for Malibu. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. You have to come back and I get now to I get to go questions. to your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, we look That'll forward be great. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be well, so this we, has been very energetic. Oh, it's, it's been, been very, so good. It's been good. I'm so glad you made the effort to come. Oh, it's no effort. We're just happy. You did it. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we expected, because we had a little false start in L.A. with her that that still turned out to be kind of lovely, she was everything we were hoping and more. Yeah, she, we could have asked her a better interview. She was so lovely, so great, so available, and just spoke of everything and didn't have any apprehensions about conversation. And or, talked about things we didn't think she was going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we let her lead and... and we followed, and then she followed. It was it was wonderful. I, I hope you guys got as much out of it by listening to it as we had uh, doing it. Doing it. So. Yeah. Uh, again, we want to thank you for tuning in each week. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to please share and spread the word. And you can send us messages. Don't be afraid to write us a little something or other. We love that, especially I love that. I love when you send questions in for Alan to answer. <laughs> but I can. <laughs> I don't hamana, 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 hamana. But uh, no, seriously. And, and send us little notes and maybe things you want to hear about or suggest some guests that we would ask to come on and things that you're interested in that we want to discuss. So, you know, feel free. Be our friend. You can reach us at contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. You can send all your questions there. You can send your suggestions there. You can send everything there. Checks. Checks. in the mail. That's good, too. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nubbins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Edited by Marissa Ewing. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Panella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.